put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in the revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless this, your message. I pray that you would just arrest our attention. Lord, thank you that we needed a Savior and you are that Savior. You died on the cross for us. You were buried and you rose from the grave. And that if we would just trust and believe in you, you will give us eternal life. What a message. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We ask you to work in our hearts, in our midst. And if there is one here that is not saved, one that's not sure he or she is going to heaven, that is, has no relationship with you, may today be the day that they believe and pass from death unto life. Lord, I pray for us who might be asleep that we would wake up, that we'd understand the times, and that we'd get on your agenda, your program, and we might see you do something incredible. Lord, you're awesome. We adore you. You're holy. There's no one like you. And it's in your lovely name, the name of Jesus, we pray. And amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We are living in fascinating times. Times of opportunity. As the world gets darker, these opportunities get better. The further the world gets away from God, the more opportunities we have to shine brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Quickly, let me remind you, Romans chapter 1 through 11 is doctrinal and getting there. We get all of our theology. And in chapter 12, he makes a change and he tells us, that theology is not something that we just have a head knowledge of, but we have a heart knowledge of. Theology is to ch change our conduct, to conform us into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we start reading, and he starts telling us to do this. You can't just take one sermon and say, wow, that sermon's going to change my life. It's the coupling of all of his word together, every section. He tells us to love one another. He tells us to surrender to Christ. He tells us to obey the government. He tells us all these things, and we put them all together, and we get a picture of what it means to follow Christ. Because of the gospel, please hear me out. It is because of the gospel and its power that you and I can be light in this dark day. How many of you agree that this is a dark day we're living in? It should not catch us by surprise. The Bible teaches us that. And it teaches that evil is going to wax worse and worse. What we have to realize is we're fighting the wrong way. It's not a physical battle between humans. It's a spiritual battle. And the Bible tells us that. And so we have to learn how to be a light in this dark world. And Paul is going to show us how we can be a light in this dark world. He tells us, that we need to know the time. We need to know the time. It's important. Read with me again in verse 11. And do this knowing the time. Knowing the time. What Paul wants to emphasize to us is there is a sense of urgency. There is a sense of urgency. And we have to know that this time. Christians are always supposed to keep their eye on the times. Not necessarily the clock, but on the times. I know when I'm preaching, you keep your eyes on the clock. But you need to keep your eyes on the time. Why? Ephesians 5.16 tells us, redeeming the time because, listen, the days 
are evil. Evil. Guys, what we are facing today is evil. These agendas of the world and how the world wants the Christians to accept them and participate in all of that, listen to me, that is not political. There is a force behind it that's unseen that the Scripture tells us that is evil. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and people in spiritual, uh, spiritual wicked places, high places. And so what we have to understand is that we can redeem the time because these days are evil. We keep our eyes on the times. Now, notice what else he says. It is high time to awake out of sleep. It's time for us to wake up. It is time for the church to awaken out of her sleep. Now, I know that sometimes people struggle sleeping. I understand that. But sleep, when you're in a good sleep, right, you're oblivious to what's going on around you, right? Some of you are like, man, I'd like to know what that's like. I understand that. I understand that. But traditionally, when you're asleep, you don't know what's happening around you. You don't see or you really don't care what's going on. And the church has become that spiritually. We're unaware of what's going on around us. We really don't care spiritually what's going on around us as long as it doesn't affect us. They can do what they want and it doesn't affect us. And Paul says, listen, because of the gospel, you need to awaken from your sleep. It's time to wake up. Why, Paul? Why should we wake up? Because your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. Please hear me out. There's two contexts here. Obviously, we're one day closer to the return of the Lord. But some may not live until the return of the Lord. You may die before that happens. Salvation, we think of salvation as being saved once in the past. That's where I gave my life to Christ and that's it. But salvation has three tenses in the word. Salvation means three things, biblical salvation. Number one, it means you have been saved from your sin, which means you're justified. God declared you righteous even though you're still in this state. Even though you still sin, God has declared you righteous because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You have been saved. Secondly, you are being saved. That is what we call sanctification. You and I are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. Future tense. That means you will be glorified. When you and I are out of here, we get new bodies. Can I have an amen about that? Don't have to preach long on that. That's the best amen I got in a long time. Especially ask that in the morning when you creak and groan and you get up and you get ready and you go to church and you're thinking, Lord, I'm ready for that new body. But when you're glorified, your body, you will be with Christ. You will be saved. That's what it means to be saved. That's exactly what it means to be saved. And you're right now nearer to salvation than you have ever been. There are people every day your age that dies. For no reason. And so we are to keep our eyes on the times. It's urgent. There's a sense of urgency that the church needs to recapture. Not a sense of apathy. A sense of urgency. 
not a sense of uh, lethargic condition, but we need a sense of urgency. We need to be keeping our eyes on the times, and we need to be moving forward with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is talking about. Notice in verse 12, he says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Now, I have to talk to you a little bit about this because this is interesting to me. In the Gospel of John, and I'm going to turn in my Bible there, the Gospel of John, chapter 9, Jesus tells something fascinating. And I never really thought about it much, but I've been thinking an awful lot about it this week. In John, chapter 9, let me give you the context. In verse 1, Jesus passes by. He sees a man who is blind from birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now pay close attention to the next two verses. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Now look at verse 5. He's going to qualify that for us. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Jesus ascended into heaven, the world was plunged into night, into darkness. Jesus, as long as he was in here, he was the light of the world. When he went away, he said that you and I were to reflect his light. We were to reflect his light. We are that representation of the light in the darkness. That's why I say we have an awesome opportunity. There's darkness all around us. Do you know that I am told, I don't know this, but I am told the darkest part of the night is right before dawn. And the Bible teaches us that evil will grow wax worse and worse. It will get progressively worse as it leads up to the return of Christ. And we as Christians think that we can do something physically to change this. We can't. We're fighting the battle the wrong way, guys. You know how you battle this darkness? You battle the darkness by being light. You know that light dispels darkness? When I was in the army and we, were, we, got a pres- we had a presentation by the snipers, do you know that a sniper could see a lit cigarette over a mile away at dark? And you tell me one person doesn't make a difference. I tell you, we believe the lie of the devil that we can't make a difference. It's time that the church realized the times are evil and that God told us these times would be evil, but that he told us that all you need to do is reflect the light of Jesus. Guys, we promote more things than we do Jesus. We promote our favorite team, our favorite hobby, our favorite career, all these things we promote more than we do the Lord Jesus Christ. And we wonder why our lights are not shining. He says the darkness is far spent, the day is at hand. What day? The day of light. What's the day of light? The Lord's return. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that the Lord could rapture us out of here any minute? Can I ask you this? How many of us live like we believe that? 
How many of us live like we believe that I could see Jesus any moment? Is my light shining or am I flickering? Oh, I flicker a lot. I have moments of where I'm spiritual and moments where I'm not. And you might say, well, that's common to humanity. It is, but the Bible says that we are to constantly reflect His light. You know how you reflect His light? You get closer to the light. It's hard to reflect the light from distance. You have to get closer to the light. Notice he says, not only do we have an urgency, but we have a responsibility. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. First of all, let us cast off the work of darkness. This word cast off means it has the idea of when you take your dirty clothes off and you throw them in the laundry basket, you're casting them off. Why are you casting them off? You're taking them off and you're casting them in the laundry basket. And some of you women are saying, well, I wish you'd teach my husband to put them in the laundry basket. I have to pick them up off the floor. Well, throw them on the floor then. How about that? My illustration. That's the way ADHD works, man. I'm sorry. That wasn't in the notes. I wasn't prepared. But the point is you take them off and you cast them off because they're dirty. There are some things in this world that you and I as believers need to cast off away from us. Notice what he says, revelry. Nobody uses the word revelry, so I went to the uh, online Oxford Dictionary to look up revelry, and it said basically wild parties with alcohol. You know, I was watching, and I'm just going to say it, I was watching the other night on Facebook, and there was a guy downtown at about 2 o'clock in the morning, they caught on camera, and several people were beating him up, and they had it on camera, and they were asking, trying to identify that. You know, if you don't go out there at 2 o'clock in the morning, you don't ever have to worry about that. I was taught nothing good happens after midnight. Why? Men love darkness. That's why. Revelry. There's some places that Christians should not go. And we used to say that, but now anymore, it's almost like we have to defend what we're saying. You are light, and you're reflecting Christ's light. There's some places that we should not go. We should cast off drunkenness. It should not be named once among you. That's the Bible. That's not me. That's what Paul's saying. You can't be drunk and be light. You can't be filled with the Spirit and alcohol at the same time. Ephesians 5.18. Verse 13 also says, We've cast off revelry, drunkenness, not in lewdness, sexual immorality. All forms of sexual immorality need to be cast off. It needs to be cast off. You can't even watch television without an agenda anymore. Everything has to have an agenda. Everybody has to make a statement. No, why couldn't we just watch a football game and it be about football? Why can't we have a break from that stuff? Why can't musicians sing? I don't care. You know, you, actors get up and they make all this stuff. You're just a pretending to be someone. You're not great. You get paid to be someone, to act. Yet, oh, they're making a great statement. Who cares? <laughs> Sexual immorality, every place we turn. Our kids are being saturated with sexual immorality, constantly being beat up against them. And it messes with them. You, you go and you read, you read uh, uh, James Dobson. 
and some of the studies that clinically they've done, pornograph, pornography is more addictive than crack cocaine. And they can tell you that if kids get hooked on a pornograph, pornography when they're young, they're more likely to be divorced when they're older or have extramarital affairs. Sexual immorality needs to be cast off. Lust, sensuality needs to be cast off. Sensuality. Strife, quarreling, envy, jealousy. You know what hurts the harm, really harms the testimony of the church? When you got two church members fighting over stupid stuff. Acting like immature babies. Paul says, cast that off. Get rid of that. If you're going to be liked, get rid of it. Don't let it be named once among you. But listen to me, it's not enough just to cast off the, uh, that old dirty stuff. You have to put on the armor of light. That's what he says. I go back to verse 12. Let us cast off the works of darkness. And verse 13 defines the darkness. We go back to verse 12. And let us put on the armor of light. There's only one armor for the, for the believers. And it's listed in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. I think Brother Bryce has it pulled up for me up on the screen there. 6, 11 through 18. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Here it is. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Our battle is not between two humans. It's between these spiritual wicked forces. And based on that, verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the what? The evil day. How are we going to stand in the evil day? You're going to have to put on the armor of God. You're going to have to realize that it's all not uh, gingerbread man and rainbows and sugar cookies. It's a battle. You're going to have to realize you're going to have to fight. And he says... Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet, uh, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now let me just give you a little rundown. As believers, we fight with truth. We fight with truth. There's one revealed truth, that is the Word of God. That is part of our armor. Truth. We gird our waist with truth. There's not a, a set of truths. There's one truth. Thy Word is truth, O Lord. That's what the Bible says. So we have to understand that we stand on truth. Secondly, righteousness. It, it has to be said, but believers should be aspiring to live a righteous life before Christ. It's not... We, we, we've gotten to the place where we have to defend normal Christianity. This is not, this is not Superman Christianity. 
oh, he's a super Christian. No, it's normal Christianity. 50 years ago, the church understood this. We are to preach the gospel, not only to other people, but ourselves every day. Yes, I believe I'm saved, but I still need to rehearse the gospel in my life. Why? Because it's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. And when I rehearse that, it sets me free from the bondage of sin. Because Christ died on the cross, he was buried and he rose from the grave, and I believed in him, he's given me a new life. I don't have to continue to live in the filth. Faith, salvation, word of God, prayer, perseverance. These are all things that the believer should be known as. This is what people should see us as truth and righteousness. The gospel, faith, salvation, word of, uh, word of God, prayer. That's how you put on the armor of God. These things. The whole armor of God. He then tells us, I go back to Romans, verse 13, or chapter 13, verse, uh, verse 13. Let us walk properly. What does that mean, properly? It means to walk pleasing unto the Lord. Colossians 1.10 reiterates this. It tells us this. What does it say? Colossians 1.10 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what it means. Your walk is your conduct. Your conduct should be pleasing to the Lord and you should be growing more in the knowledge of God the more you're alive. And I just, I just say, if you're not, you're sin. You're sinning. And you can have forgiveness. But you need, and I, we all need to be growing and conducting ourselves in a manner that pleases the Lord. Nobody wants to hear something that goes against them. Nobody wants to be corrected. But sometimes we need to be corrected. We need to walk. If we're, going to, if we're going to let our light shine in this evil world, knowing the times, we have to walk in a manner that's pleasing the Lord. He goes on and tells us in verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This has the idea of shrinking down into clothes. Just conforming into the clothes. Like, and the idea actually means that we're being transformed into his image. See, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. Heaven is not your goal. Your goal is to be conformed into the image while you're here. If heaven were to go, Jesus would have taken you to heaven when he saved you. But he left you here for a reason. What's that reason? So that you and I would be conformed into his image. That we would reflect His light. And this is, this is in, vitally important because much of Christianity today is about me, 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 me. It's all about me. I want it to me. I want my kind of music. I want my kind of style. I want my kind of this. I want my this. I want this. I want this. And Christianity is about laying down, crucifying yourself. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. He bought me with his precious blood. I no longer own myself. I am a new creation created in Christ Jesus. 
We are to put on Jesus Christ. This is huge. We need, we need to consider ourselves and see if we are in fact being conformed into the image of Christ. We need to examine ourselves and see, in fact, if we are putting on Christ. Number five, he says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Listen, how many of you ever heard this? You give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile, right? Why in the world would we want to dance? Why would in the world would we want to play around with the flesh? Why would we want to crack the door and give him a foothold? Why in the world would we want to trust our flesh? Paul said, in this flesh dwelleth no good thing. None. Well, you say, well, that's good, but how, how, do I, uh, how do I overcome the flesh? There's only one way the Bible teaches us how to overcome the flesh. Galatians 5.16 says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The only way to overcome the lust of the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It means to live under the control of the Holy Spirit. Well, what if I'm lusting and I'm, I'm seeing something I shouldn't be looking at? You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You know that still small voice that tells you you shouldn't be doing that? Your conscience says you shouldn't be doing that, and you ignore all that, and you do it anyways? You're not walking in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Be controlled. Listen, it's time for the church to awaken from her sleep. The world is a dark place, and we're here to shine or reflect Jesus' light. Because of the gospel, we can shine brightly. So I want to give you five things real quickly how we can awaken from our sleep. How can we awaken from our sleep? Number one, I think it begins with an honest assessment. Am I actually just cursing the darkness or am I lighting a light? Am I shining for Christ? Or am I just talking about how bad it is? See, there's a lot of talk in Christianity. There's a lot of talk. I remember one of our, our, our children said, I, you know, Dad, I don't want to go to church. All the pastor does is talk, 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 talk. And uh, he's right, but um, we do a lot of talking in church. We do a lot of talking. It's time that we stop the talking and do an honest assessment of our hearts and see, in fact, if we are reflecting the light of Jesus Christ. Because when you and I stand before Jesus Christ, we will be accountable for reflecting His light. Not for our salvation, losing our salvation. Our salvation was set on the cross, but for reward or a loss of reward. And you say, well, I'm just... I, I, please don't ever say that around me. I'm just happy to make it to heaven. I don't want to hear that, please. That is, that is utter foolishness. If you understand the glory of God and how everyone that saw the resurrected Christ felt his feet as though they were dead, he instantly were changed by seeing him. When you see Jesus face to face, you're not going to have that cavalier attitude. You're going to have a humble spirit which you're broken and you're crushed because you've seen the one who's died for you in all of his glory. Secondly, it begins with an understanding of the times. We have to understand that now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. We do not have tomorrow. We cannot wait. It is crucial. Every day we live, we're one step closer to eternity. January 1st, January 1st we'll start our 20th year here. 
at Shawnee Hills Baptist Church. It doesn't seem like that. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of things I wish I'd have done back 19 years ago. And there's a lot of things yet to be done. And I'm praying to God, I'm praying to God that we can get this matter straight about the church and myself and the assessment of the times and, and quit belly aching and start lighting a candle and letting Jesus' light shine. There's no time like right now. The only time you have is right now. Right now. Number three, prioritize the transformation into His image. Listen, the closer you get to the light, the greater the reflection. If I held a mirror up here and a flashlight, and I stood over there and shined it on the mirror, it would not reflect at all. But if I get up here and I shine it, it reflects both directions. You know why? Because the closer we are, the greater the light. There's a message right there. You want your light to shine? Get closer to Jesus. The Word of God says, draw nigh unto God, and He'll draw nigh unto you. You draw near God, He'll draw near to you. I don't know how far you have to come closer to God. I don't know if He comes, you come 10, He comes 90. I don't know. All I know is He says, if you draw closer to Him, He'll draw closer to you. So can I say to you, it's on you. It's on me. Can others, let me ask you, can honestly, can others see Christ reflected in your life? That's the question. Can other people in the world, someone that knows nothing about Christianity, see Christ reflected in your life? We need to prioritize the transformation. How do we do that? Obviously, you're going to get close to Jesus, you've got to get close to his word. It's the same thing that we keep coming back to. There's no new formulas. Nothing's new under the sun, Ecclesiastes said. There's nothing new. There's not a <clears throat> A plus B equals A. You see, there's none of that. All you got to do is do what the Word says. Get closer to Him in the Word of God. We have more tools now. I think Paul, the Apostle Paul, if he had the tools we had, he would be absolutely elated to share the gospel with everyone. You can get on your mower, guys, and you can put your earbuds in, you can turn your phone on, and it'll read the Scripture to you. You say, well, I can't remember. Sometimes I pick up some things. Listen, just get it in your heart, not your head. There's enough going on up here, right? Just get it. That's why God says hide it in your heart, not your head. I'm telling you. There, there's more tools. You can lie down. I had a fellow tell me one time he got saved at the other church, and he came from a bad uh, background, and he said, man, I, I really just don't read real well. And he said, I don't like to read. I hate to read. And I said, it's okay. And so we helped him get him a program on his computer. He would go in his room and he would shut the door and he would lie on his bed and he would turn on the computer and listen to Andrew Scorby or whatever, read the word of God to him. And you know how he's got that real eloquent voice. And uh, us hillbilly struggle with that. But anyways, he would, uh, he would listen to that fellow read the Bible to him. You see, you can get closer if you want to. The problem is you don't want to. You can get closer to Christ if you wanted to. You could change your priorities around if you wanted to. The problem is we do what we want to do. Who's with me? How many agree? That's right. Yeah, we do. We do what we want to do. Number four, we need to walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord. We need to stop worrying about what everybody thinks about us and stop, start worrying about what the one who matters thinks about us. We need not care about what everyone thinks about us. Well, you're just a holy roller. Well, praise God. I'm going to roll on out of here one day. 
We need to walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord. And you're going to be challenged on this. When you set out to do it, you will be challenged. Don't think for one minute you won't be challenged. You will be challenged. And you will be put in a situation. And you know what? It's not, it's not so bad that you fail. It's what happens, what you do after you fail that matters. If you fail, you can make it right. The Lord says if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We, 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 got, we can confess immediately. We're all going to fall from time to time. And we can have that confession and cleansing and that forgiveness. But if we're going to keep from doing it over and over, repentance keeps us from repeating it. Turn from it. Change your mind about it. See it as wickedness. Don't see it as something, oh, it's just a dirty joke. It's not. No, it's wickedness. If that was the only thing that you ever did wrong, Jesus would still went to the cross for it because it's wrong. Number five, walk in the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Listen, when you get close to God, you light a candle. When you walk with the Spirit, you keep it burning. Let me say that again. When you get close to God, you light a candle. You light a fire. When you walk in the Spirit, you keep it burning. And what we need is to keep it burning. Remember when we were kids, we used to sing, Give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning? I don't even know the words anymore, but we used to sing it all the time. We're kids. Some of you are saying, you're shaking your head, yeah. Some of you are looking like, what in the world is he talking about? I was thinking about that. It would probably do us good to go back and revisit the songs we used to sing as kids. That was some good teaching in them songs. Walk in the Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You can do it. You can keep that candle burning. You can represent Jesus Christ on this earth. But you've got to know the times are evil. You've got to know the time's near. And let that be a motivation for us to get busy for the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone, listen to me. If you're a Christian, I want to say this, and I'm not preaching at you. I'm not being mean. I'm being truthful to you. If you're a Christian, you, need, you were created to serve the Lord. You need to be serving the Lord somewhere, doing something for the Lord. And if you're not, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle if you say you believe that Jesus is who he is and you're going to go out and let your light shine for him but you won't do anything for him, I question that. I question it. And all I want to tell you is go let your light shine, people. Go let it shine. Get close to God. Get good red hot. Get that fire going. Throw a log on that fire every morning. Get up, throw a log on it. When it starts burning down in the afternoon, throw a fire. Get close to God. Get in his word. Get around believers that you know are walking with the Lord. Get away from people who are negative Nancys and killing everything. If there's Nancy in here, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Um, but get away from all that garbage. Get with someone who inspires you to serve the Lord. Why? Because the day is coming. The day of light is coming. And we're nearer than we've ever been. And what we need this day in this land are men and women who are not ashamed to let their light shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. To reflect that light for His glory. That's what we need. And that's what Paul was communicating to the church. Church, go today and shine brightly. Start right now. Go out there and shine for the Lord Jesus Christ.
We used to sing that song, Shine, Jesus, Shine, didn't we? Shine through me. Reflect, Lord, let me be a reflection of you. You can do it because of the gospel. You, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, listen, let me tell you about the gospel. There's nothing like the gospel. Jesus Christ knows everything about you. And because he knows everything about you, he created you, he loves you, he wants you to be one of his children. But because of sin, sin separated us from God. And everyone is born because Adam took that fruit. Every one of us is born separated from God. That means we have to be born again. Not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. Born from above. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. He went to the cross of Calvary. Bore all of your sins, all of my sins. Everything that I would ever think, everything I would ever say, everything I'd ever do, Jesus knew it and took it upon him and died in my place and he did the same thing for you. And the reason he did that is because the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. Someone has to die for your sin and my sin. And Jesus Christ took it upon himself and died. And the scriptures say he was buried and on the third day he arose from the grave. And the Bible teaches us that if we will believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths, we will be saved. If we will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. That's it. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, believe doesn't mean say, oh, I believe in God. No, it, I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe that he will give me a new life and he'll take me to heaven when I die. If you've not done that, you can right where you sit. You don't have to walk down here. You don't have to shake nobody's hand. You don't have to do anything. You can open your heart right now and you say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to die. And I, because I deserve to die, you died in my place. And right now, I believe that you died for me. I repent. I turn from my sins. I believe in you. I'm looking to you I'm, and you alone to take me to heaven. And you can be saved. And you'll pass from death and life. You'll be a new creature created in Christ Jesus. And you can walk in the newness of life. It ain't, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to fix all your problems. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. It's a sweet walk. And when you go to heaven, we'll see things that we can't even fathom. I believe it. I hope you do too. Father, bless this invitation. May you be glad.